This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Living in First Alignment podcast. My name is Kayla, and today I have on here a guest who is one of my dear friends that I met in Toronto about, I guess, four years ago now. It's crazy how time flies. So I'm going to be interviewing my friend Nadia. She's a personal trainer downtown Toronto, and we met because we both worked at Good Life Fitness together, and then we became friends, and we've just always stayed in touch, and I wanted to bring her on the channel today to talk about her journey because she's a personal trainer. She was also a competitive ballet dancer, and now she is into bodybuilding, and she's been extremely successful for that. So I want to talk to her about that journey, and I'm going to also have her share about how mindset has played a really big role in allowing her to be successful. So Nadia, if you could please just introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, and share a little bit more. That would be awesome. Well, hi, Kayla, and thanks for having me today. I've been in the fitness industry for about, I would say, 15 years now. Um, it all started with ballet, uh, which is a long time ago. Uh, I was 20 and I'm 47 now, so you can do the math. <laughs> uh, so I started with ballet at the National Ballet School after I moved from Montreal. I auditioned for the National Ballet School the first year, didn't make it, so I worked a little bit harder a lot harder and then I made it and uh, my plan was to come back to Montreal teach ballet but it turned out that that's not what happened so I actually started to work at a bank um, after 10 years being at the bank I just knew that it wasn't for me passion wasn't there and I wanted to do what I really loved so started to um, I actually got a gym membership at Good Life Fitness, started to just um, go and take classes there. Um, I got approached by a manager who asked me if I wanted to start teaching classes there. So I was like, hmm, that's something I'd really love to do. So I started doing that part-time while I was working at the bank and then eventually I was like I'm done with the bank I quit and decided to do group fitness full-time then got approached by a manager whose name is Enswani Bafo and he's asked me if I wanted to be a team training coach and the rest is history I'm not a personal trainer team training coach and fitness instructor and living my best life I guess <laughs> I love the story because being a personal trainer too, like I can relate to that where we've definitely, a lot of us have had that experience where we've done something else and didn't like it and then got into fitness. And it's like, I find it such a rewarding job because, you know, we're obviously changing people's lives, right? And health is just so important. And so I love that, you know, you kind of ventured in, like you started out with ballet and then you kind of got into, you know, finance and banking and then you came back into fitness. And I think that's, I think that's great because obviously you've been really successful with that for 15 years now, which is incredible. So wanted to dive in a little bit more, if you could share how you got into ballet and then, cause now you're into like bodybuilding, bodybuilding and competing. And then we can talk more about that as well. So how did you first get into ballet? Yeah, and ballet and bodybuilding may seem like 
two extreme opposite, but they're actually very similar uh, in terms of the discipline that it takes to be successful in either discipline. So for me, it was always a desire to do something that was tough, hard, that required a lot of discipline. I was raised in a family where my parents were very strict. So I guess I was used to this really rigid form of, I guess, education where everything had to be structured. So my mom was very strict. I guess it just stayed with me um, my whole life. If something was easy, I was bored, didn't like it. I like anything that was that required a lot of hard work. So ballet, I got into it pretty late, actually. I was 16 when I started to do ballet. I did a lot of jazz when I was a kid. My mom put me in those classes where you did tap, jazz, modern ballet. And ballet came a little bit later when I was 16, and then I really got into it because you can't reach perfection. And I guess I'm a perfectionist, never being happy with myself. I always wanted to do more. I want, always wanted to be better. And ballet is exactly that nothing's ever perfect. You can always be better. You have to work super hard. So I was always wanting more and more and more. And I was like, I want to go to the National Ballet School. <laughs> and at 16, everybody was like, no, you can't do that. You're too old. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you think I'm too old? Well, then I just wanted to prove people wrong and just work harder and harder. I auditioned, didn't make it. So went back to my teacher in my hometown in Drummondville, small town but my teacher there had been to the national ballet school so she's like all right you want to be a dancer you're going to work hard so i was there in the morning in the afternoon at night just working my ass off <laughs> and i re-auditioned and finally got in but when i got in there's a second audition so you have to do kind of a boot camp just to see if you can make it if you're good enough to make it and i did make it but i was on probation so not only i didn't speak english but i was also on probation because i was the weakest one we were 14 girls in my class and i was the weakest one of them so i was trying to learn english trying to catch up to the other ones and as i some mornings i just didn't even want to get out of bed sometimes but there's a drive in me that just makes me want to accomplish what I want to accomplish. I always had a lack of confidence. Lack of confidence comes from my mom, if you want to get into that, because my mom is has NPD, so a narcissistic personality disorder, um, which often the consequence for the kids, especially for the daughter, uh, would be a lack of confidence. Uh, always needed external validation. So I guess I wanted to prove myself that I could do things. For some people, it's paralyzing. For me, it was something that drove me to be better. So wanting to be at the National Ballet School, the recognition and the fact that it's like it was like a, a really big challenge. So I just kept working, working, working until I made it. So I did make it. I spent four years, but then I got injured. And that's why I quit dancing, then went to the bank, became a translator. But I stayed in Toronto. And then after that, I was on my path to... Uh, becoming a bodybuilder, I guess, at the age of 42. Um, that's when I started. I, I really love that, you know, I, I had an interesting upbringing too, like I can relate to in the sense that my biological dad was married to this woman who was a pathological liar, and I'm pretty sure she was narcissistic and she's hmm. an alcoholic, and it was like a very challenging upbringing. But obviously, I learned so much from that that I'm grateful for the experience, and I really had to let it go but it's funny how sometimes these things these quote like horrible or really challenging things can bring out the best in us 
And I think like that's obviously what happened for you, right? Is like it just pushed you to excel like athletically on so many levels. It totally did. Like in the beginning, I wasn't aware of what was going on until a friend brought it up to me and I started reading on it. I didn't know why I felt so empty. I always pick the wrong, I always made the wrong choices, whether it was in relationships, I would always go for someone that was unavailable, always lack confidence. Um, sometimes even when I, I started as a personal trainer, it would take me hours to just write a program. Just because of that lack of confidence, I never had validation from my mom. My mom decided everything for me, never let me pick what I wanted to do. It was very strict, wasn't, wasn't allowed to go out to the high school dance or this and that, couldn't have a boyfriend and all the regular things that regular kids do. I say regular with a, a mom that doesn't have NPD. So that was, um, that was what brought on the lack of confidence. But when I realized what the problem was, I started to trying to fix it. So I read a lot of books, talked to a lot of people, and eventually I knew why everything was challenging for me, why I chose a difficult route, why I lack confidence. So now I challenge myself to do things, even though they scare me. Same with training. I always wanted to do calisthenics when I was younger, but I was scared, didn't want to go upside down. I got a coach. His name is Keshif. So if he hears that, he's a great coach. He's the one who um, helped me overcome my fear of being upside down. It took a while, but I was like, no, don't quit, don't quit. So I, I have a really great drive and I, I will challenge myself to be uncomfortable. I don't like being uncomfortable, but that's the only way to grow, right? So I challenge myself to do things that make me uncomfortable. I think that's great because even when I asked you if you wanted to be a guest on my podcast, you're like, <laughs> I remember you said, you're like, oh, this makes me nervous. Okay, I'll do it. And I thought, wow. <laughs> Totally. If you asked me that 10 years ago, I would have said no right away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's so great. I can totally hear that obviously throughout your life, you've developed your awareness. And so especially when you learned about, you know, your mom's mental health and everything, and then you started to discover like, oh, this is how it's affecting me. And oh, this is why I'm behaving the way that I'm behaving. And then even though you're aware that you have like lacked confidence before, you know that when these situations come up where it's like, oh, come in a podcast or, you know, learn calisthenics and go upside down on rings and handstands and things like that, like you find that confronting, but you've literally trained your brain that, okay, I'm uncomfortable. Like, yes, this is actually a good thing. It's going to help me grow which is such a great like mindset tactic. And I think some people don't have that awareness developed yet. So like, as I'm sharing this for the listeners, if you ever find those moments where you're confronted or you're, you're scared or you're unsure or something's really challenging and you have that fight or flight response where you just want to run away, you don't want to do it, then that's actually an opportunity for you to push beyond your comfort zone. So Absolutely. it's like, it's like such an opportunity. Yeah. And that's why I love doing what I do. Uh, being a personal trainer, I can do that with my clients as well. That's my challenge to try to change their mindset, not only physically, but mentally as well. A lot of successful clients that I have have barriers with training and they don't think they can do what they can like they'll they'll think they can only lift two five pound dumbbells and then just with encouragement and trying to change their mindset, telling them my story also helps. I I find yeah. a lot. So trying to be open with them and just sharing. Yes. And the funny thing with confidence is that, and I can speak to this too from being a personal trainer is say, for example, you go and you, you push your clients to do something they've never done before and they think, oh, I can't do this. Like I'm not confident. But the irony is that it's actually doing the thing that gives you the confidence. 
So you yep. have to, to do it and you have to try and you have to be willing to fail. And then you will get the confidence that you're asking for before you've even done the thing. That's a key point there. Being willing to fail is scary. <laughs> yeah. Because again, it comes down to the external validation. What are people going to think if I fail. And that's still in the back of my mind every single day. Even like today coming into oh, what are people going to think? Oh, is what I have to say? Is it good enough? Every day I have to fight that. But if you don't fight it, you're going to sit and watch your life go by. And I watched it. My mom, she never takes a chance. She's always scared. She's judging, but she's paralyzed by fear. And I don't want to be that. So I try to push myself to get uncomfortable, right? Eventually things get comfortable. So Exactly. Because that's how, you know, that uncomfortability when it becomes comfortable is because it becomes familiar. And I think one of the things with failure too, that I've worked on with myself when it comes to failure is that failure is failure. But what people tend to do is they tend to make it mean extra things like, oh, if I fail, I'm not good enough. Or, you know, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not worthy of this. Or this is too challenging for me. Like this, there's additional meanings that get added on to what failure is. But the reality is failure is essentially feedback that however you're like, whatever it is that you're doing and how you're doing it isn't working. Do so it's, it's like, exactly. So just try another way, do another way. Yeah. We don't see kids beating themselves up. Like when they start to walk, they'll mm -hmm. fall so many times. They'll hit their heads, but they'll get back up. They don't say, oh my God, what are people thinking? I can't walk and I'm 10 months. <laughs> we <laughs> have the same attitude. Um, but I mean, we grow up in a society like that. You lose that innocence, I guess. Just yeah. Because you get judged and you get more scared. And sometimes we lose that innocence as that we had as a kid. Yeah, that unlimited confidence. Yes. <laughs> and just the freedom to be. But really, it's, it's just a state of mind, right? And I think kids, they don't know any better. They haven't been programmed to, to, to know that other people have thoughts and that they can think things about you and that, right? So mm -hmm. this kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is bodybuilding and how you got into that. Because that is quite frankly, like you're literally on a stage, like that is about being judged and assessed <laughs> and everything, right? It's and, all judging. Yeah. And, and so, you know, ever since I met you four years ago, like I've seen you go through a couple preps and it's, it's pretty wild to see the transformation that you pull off in four months and, or even longer, right? But I know that usually, to my knowledge, like prep is usually about four months, right? But I would love for you to share what you do and even if you can talk about like the different forms of like bodybuilding and physique and bikini just so that people kind of have an understanding and then just kind of share what you do for your for your category bodybuilding there's uh, many categories so we have the bikini category which is more like it's more based on sassiness i would say like you're you got definition muscle definition but it's more about symmetry of a i would say more like a pageant like a fitness pageant not too much symmetry, not too much muscles, no striations, healthy glow, nice skin, nice hair, nice makeup, how you present yourself. That's the bikini um, category. Then we have the figure, which is what I was competing in up, up until this year or last year, November, I competed, yeah. Um, figure is more of an X frame. So if you want to think about it as a, like Wonder Woman, like a cartoon hero, <laughs> um, like Wonder Woman and X-Frame, as in bigger shoulders, smaller waist, glutes, 
quads. So they're judging you on those body parts, not too much striations, meaning separation of the muscles, um, but muscular, of course, so delts. So you want to see a cap, shoulders, um, and to make your shoulders pop, you want to have a tiny, tiny waist. So that'll give you that X frame. So glutes, quads, um, and that's pretty much your figure category. And then you have physique, which is what I'm competing in now. Um, and then you get a chance to display more muscles. So you'll show off your, not only your delts, um, your glutes as well, your quads, but also chest, tricep, bicep. So if you're going to be working on that and you have the genetics to be able to display that, why not? So I worked on that um, for the last four or five years. So this year I started in physique. And then you have the bodybuilding, which to me is a little bit too extreme. I don't want to get to that size, but good on them, the women that are able to do it. It's a lot of work and it's uh, a lot of weightlifting. Uh, not to say that physique or figure or bikini is less work. It's just different. Yeah. Do you think that when people say, say if they compete in any of those categories, like, is it an acceptable like umbrella term to say, oh, you're a bodybuilder? Or is it better to like, say if you're addressing someone, <laughs> is it like to be more specific? Cause that's like, obviously for someone as myself, like I'm not in that world, I've seen it. And I know the differences yeah. now because of like, you know, you guys at the gym have taught me, but um, yeah. Cause we're all bodybuilding cause we're working out. So muscles either shrink or grow. So we're building a body for sure. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the naming, I guess only the category, the bodybuilder category is, <laughs> is what it's called but everybody's a bodybuilder in my mind yeah uh, if you're working out and you're doing weight training you're a bodybuilder yeah I, like a lot of people judge this as in oh you're just like flaunting muscles on stage but to me it's more an art not just an art it's also you're being an athlete you're also artistic you're just kind of sculpting a body instead of doing it on a canvas where the painter will put paint or the sculptor will take a piece of wood and transform it we're using our bodies along with my coach is also the artist sculpting my body except you just don't see it overnight so that's how i see it. the athletic part is i have to work out i have to lift weights um, i have to stay fit i have to eat a certain way but all of it is to sculpt a type of body. It's a sculpture, right? To me, it's an art. And the discipline that it takes to do that is out of this world, pretty much. <laughs> so it's every day. It's not just four months. Yes, the prep as in let's shrink down, let's diet. Because you can't diet every single day for a year nonstop, especially as a woman. It's not sustainable to be five, six, seven percent body fat, right? So the shrinking down is about four months, but all year round, you're building your body, you're changing your body, you're sculpting it, you're growing it. So it's pretty much an everyday thing, 365 days a year. So 366 this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though it feels like 10,000. Thanks, Corinne. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's a commitment that's pretty much the decisions that you take every day will affect the outcome. Somebody, if you skip a workout, somebody else didn't skip it. So they might win. It might be, could be the difference between winning and losing, right? So it's just a way of living. You can't just decide, oh, I'm going to do this show and then take three months and then that's it. No, I, I really admire that because I, I've obviously seen you go through like the last four years, like the cycles that you've gone through and then even dealing with injuries on top of that 
and still managing to to push through so can you talk a little bit about like your first show like what actually got you into like the moment you decided like I'm going to do this and I'm going to compete and then you know you, I, I if you could tell us like how many shows you've done and like the titles that you've won as well in the last couple of years mm-hmm. that started in 2015 actually the end of 2014 and I don't know, sometimes things click in your mind, like you're not ready, you're not ready. And then one day you're like, I'm going to do it. Like, I never turned down a challenge. If you can, if you follow my Instagram, everybody tags me in this challenge. I'm like, I don't know how to do that, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> Someone challenges me to do something, it'll drive me. There's like a fire saying, oh yeah, you think I can't do it? So I'll do it. <laughs> I was always pretty fit when I started working out at Good Life and teaching classes. So a lot of my peers and my uh, my participants be like, oh, why don't you do a bodybuilding show? You'd be good at it. I knew nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. I just knew it existed. So I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't really want to parade in a bikini. That's all I knew about it. And then I started looking into it a little bit more deeply. And I was like, mm, that's something I would like to do. Then I found out how hard it was I was like wow that's something I really want to do it's a great challenge it takes a lot of discipline the dieting the programming I was like hmm I like this a lot so I got a coach and then I decided to give it a shot so the first show that I did was in a smaller division like a smaller organization IDFA and my first show I was in a figure category as well as a fitness category which does even really exist the organization that competed now uh, used to be opa now it's called cpa so canadian physique alliance so the first one that i did i finished first with someone else so <laughs> it was an equal thing so i was kind of disappointed but i was happy because it was my first show um then i decided to switch uh organization because everybody goes to the cpa uh, to be able to become a pro so it's called ifbb pro and that's the international federation of bodybuilding so everybody's dream is to get a pro card uh, which then allows you to try to compete for the olympia which is the ultimate uh, it'd be like the oscars (laughs) of bodybuilding so i started doing that and i think i got third place on my first show with the CPA, which was then the OPA, uh, the Ontario Physique Alliance back then. And then I did provincial and I finished second. Then I did my first national show and I finished 10th that year. <laughs> it was bad because I didn't prepare as well as with my other shows and it was totally my fault. And I was like, okay, reality check here. And then I did it again, uh, another national show, and I finished third, I think, or fourth. And I did another one, didn't do very well. Then I went back to this year, went back to a regional show to requalify for physique. And I finished first in both uh, masters and open. And now I'm gonna, I was gonna try nationals again for a pro card in June, <laughs> but my plans got changed as we know, there's a pandemic going on. So yeah. <laughs> that won't be happening this year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. It gives me an extra year to work on my body. So yeah. yeah, I love that. Can you share more about the evolution of your mindset when it comes to competing and like prepping? Like say, what have you learned most about yourself? 
with your mindset in terms of, you know, preparing for these competitions? That you can do anything that you set your mind to. And a lot of people that I talk to, they always have excuses. I have a no excuse type mentality. So it takes me a, like, I lack compassion a little bit because of that. Sometimes I am a very compassionate person, but I don't take excuses. So for me, the world could be crumbling down. I'll still find a way to work out. <laughs> I will do whatever it takes. Like right now I haven't missed a day of training. Um, it's a lot more difficult, but it's possible. There's no, there's nothing that will stop me from doing what I need to do to get where I want to go. So it's taught me that if you set your mind on doing something that you're passionate about, you'll find a way to do it. If you're not passionate about something and if it's not your priority, you're not going to get it done. But if you make something a priority, chances are you'll find a way to do it. Yeah. I love how black and white you make that because it's true. You either do it or you don't. You either choose what it is you want or you choose the excuses. And I think that, I think one of the other things we talked about failure earlier, but I think that this is really important too, because if you're willing to challenge yourself and you're willing to fail and get that feedback, then that's going to help you discover what your passion is. And that's a big you, thing. Yeah. Because with the judges, uh, I see competitors, they will, they will fail or they won't get first place and they blame the judges. It doesn't matter what you do. You can blame the judges till tomorrow. Yeah, maybe the judge was wrong. It doesn't change anything. You're still not going to be first. So why don't turn it into let's take the feedback and work on it and be better the next time. That will make you a winner in itself. But if your attitude is the judges were wrong, how are you going to get better? If you think you're already all that, then you're not going to improve. So then you've stopped your growth already. So that's the attitude to that I like to take. I, I always take criticism well. I try to. Sometimes it's easy. We're human. We don't like to be criticized. Like a peer would be like, oh, you did that wrong. This exercise wrong. And then the first thing you want to say is like, you don't know. <laughs> I'm like, no, I think I do it better. But if you take a breath and you take into consideration what they have to say and why they do it that way, you can learn something. Or you can be like, oh, this person has just, uh, just started to train people. They don't know what they're doing. That's not true. They might be coming from another background. Maybe they have a degree in kinesthetic or they might know something that you don't know. So if you have a close mind, you're not going to grow. So always have an open mind, no matter how great you think you are and how much you think you know, right? There's always something that you can learn from not being first or not being the best. So. There's a quote I, I've heard before. I don't think this is exactly it, but maybe you've heard it. Something along the lines of like, the day you stop learning is the day you stop living. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that too. Yeah. That's why all, it all ties together as in like, get out of your comfort zone, keep learning, keep doing things, keep pushing yourself. Like we're humans and that's what we do. We want, we want to evolve. We want to be better. I feel like that's ingrained in you. Sometimes fear stops you from doing so, but we're not meant to just sit and like watch life go by, right? I'm sure everybody at some point wants to do something, be someone, change people's life or whatever it is that drives them. But sometimes fear is what stops people. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of fear, I mentioned before we hit record today that I wanted to talk about us being women as personal trainers and getting women into fitness and just like the stigma around like having muscles and that kind of thing. So I would love to hear your thoughts mm. on that. That's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> women are supposed to look vulnerable <laughs> and that's how we're portrayed as. And we're trying to change that. We've been trying to do that for like 
decades now and it's still difficult in this world especially when you don't look like the norm like if you look at Victoria's Secret if you look at the catalogs at the commercials the women always look usually look smaller than the male the male is supposed to portray strength and a protector and the woman is vulnerable and <laughs> stays at home or it's not so much like this thank god um nowadays but there's still a lot of stigma around it it's still uh we talked about this before you and i <laughs> it's still clients that don't want to have a female trainer because that's their own insecurity often sometimes if i go on dates <laughs> a lot of men are intimidated by me they feel like they need to be bigger they need to be more muscular somehow it represents their man qualities <laughs> if they're bigger or more muscular than the woman so um, it doesn't bother me I need someone that's strong and that's confident in themselves anyways as in if the person is timid or not confident about themselves it's not gonna go well with me anyways like our personalities won't click I need someone com more confident than I am if anything and at work I've had a client wasn't a client was supposed to be a client when he found out that I was a woman didn't want to train with me and at first I was pretty upset about it I'm not gonna lie I was like oh he thinks that I'm not good enough to be a trainer because I'm a woman <laughs> but then if you dig deeper often it's their own insecurities they're just afraid that they're not going to be good enough they won't be if how are they going to look if they can't do what I what I do or if they can't lift heavier than I lift understanding the background too and where people come from but we have to keep educating um, it's okay to have muscles. It's okay to be what you want to be. Exactly. Even some women always tell me, oh, I want to, I want a thigh gap. I'm like, why do you want a thigh gap? What is, don't you want to be strong and healthy? Lifting weights will build your immune system. Like you also have to explain and educate people about the benefits of lifting weights and being strong and all that kind of stuff, right? So it's up to us to educate people. I think that's a key factor. And I remember having this conversation with you and my peers when I was working in Toronto, just mm -hmm. educating people because people, again, bring tying in awareness to this specific part of our conversation today is that they just lack awareness and they're just going with what society thinks like, oh, you know, men should be bigger and muscular and women should be tiny and lean. And, you know, <laughs> it's normal for women to be, quote, physically weaker than men and, and so on, right? And so that that's the point is that educating people so that they can wake up to realize that they're conforming to like this belief system that's just been created in social media and in conversations and, and advertisements and things like you mentioned. And it's not even just men against women or not wanting to train with female trainers. Like I've had a female say that she didn't want to train with me and that she wanted to train with a male instead. And so yes. at, this, at the same point, I, at, at that point, I thought, really? Like in my head, I, exact, you know, similar reaction to you. I was like, well, what do you think? I'm not going to push you. Like, what do you think this yes. and that? Like that I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Like what's this? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like I played rugby for 17 years and you think I, I can't push you or get your <laughs> results. Like it's, it's a very interesting thing but like you said also just understanding okay this woman obviously has like her own perceptions of how she's going to be successful and she thinks that she needs a man to push her or that a guy would know more about you know losing weight because you know just the mechanics of a male it's quote easier for them to grow muscle than women right mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting how there's there's a lot of like wishy-washy information in terms of health and fitness that people just like they leech to it and they think oh this is the truth but it's yeah. not yeah we need to slowly change that and it's happening 
but slowly. I mean, it's it's hard for me as well. Sometimes I'll walk in a store. I can't even find a top that'll fit me properly because I have lats. <laughs> so everything is like, I rip it at the seams because it's not made. Like if you go to even Lululemon made for yogi, like well, <laughs> women are supposed to do yoga. They're supposed to be lean. <laughs> so the arms are tiny. My arms don't fit in half the stuff <laughs> that I try to, that I try on. So it's going to take a while <laughs> before, but hey, like it takes people like us to, um, educate and slowly little by little things are going to change they are changing just have to be patient just like it takes years to build a body for a bodybuilder so it's the same thing changing your mindset and changing other people's mindset um, can only be done if we talk about it so exactly exactly what we do <laughs> yes so what are some of what are some of the plans that you have for your future in terms of like competing and bodybuilding and that kind of thing? Um, I usually go with the flow for me. I'm like, I'm a passionate person. And for as long as I have the passion for something, I'll keep doing it and I'll keep trying to do my best. Um, of course I would love to win my pro card and I'm hoping knock on wood that I don't get injured or that anything gets into my plan, but my plan is really to get a pro card. So I'll keep on working towards that. Uh, I started late, but I mean, you're only as old as you think you are. <laughs> so I feel great. Um, I do have some injuries that I have to take care of. Of course, uh, we all do, but hopefully I can keep on working on getting that I have BB pro card. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I mean, obviously the quarantine isn't helping anyone's situation right now. It's mm -hmm. like even the Olympics are canceled, like everything. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it could be a blessing in disguise that there's more time to work on this, right? Time to rest a little bit more, get some injuries to heal. Also work on body parts that are lagging. Um, it's, I have more time to work out. If I want to work out, I can work out all day now. <laughs> also a lot more time to think about future plans. I want to ask you the next thing is you're talking about injuries and I think I want to talk about your mindset on injuries and how you handle that because I mean this could be a metaphorical example of people handling setbacks in their life because I know firsthand because I've you know worked with you and I've seen you deal with injuries and you've always mm -hmm. overcome that and kept going. So what's been some of the things that you've done in terms of like mentally because that's like the biggest thing you know, when you're physically stopped at something, like it's really going to take the mental power to overcome that. So how do you handle those situations? A lot of people think that because they're injured, they have to stop everything. Uh, that's not the case. For me, I've always kept pushing through with injuries um, to a certain degree. Obviously, if I had a broken leg, I wouldn't be working on that leg, but I would be working on my upper body for sure. And I have a great coach. So Kashif is great uh, with working around injuries or through injuries sometimes. Sometimes just like bringing more blood flow to a body part that's injured will help the healing of it. Sometimes moving it is what makes it better. So there's always ways to work. I never stop working out because I've, I have an injury. Yes, it's more difficult mentally because it sucks to be in pain and it makes it more difficult to want to work out for sure. And when I had a knee injury, I wanted to do squats, but like I can't do squats or my knee's going to bust open. So, but it's working around it, finding exercises that still promote healing but you can still move around and still uh, work towards your goals there's always ways if you want like i said no excuses you can always work on something i, I love this because i think it's true 
when we're injured or say if we have a hiccup in life and then we think, oh, we, we literally think, oh, fuck this. And we just give up or we just stop. And then we think, oh, I'll just do it later. Like imagine if, imagine how much longer it would have taken you to get where you are now in terms of going for a pro card. If that first injury you got, you decided, oh, I'm just going to can this, this competition mm-hmm. and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go for the next one. Like this whole stint of five years would probably take you like eight or 10 years instead. Yeah, absolutely. And like for like so many reasons to like, oh, my cat died or so I can't train today. I'm like, well, why? <laughs> like I can f- either forget about it for the time of my training, have a great session, put my mind on something else, feel better after, or I can stay at home and cry because my cat died. <laughs> like, or anything, a breakup. It's hard like to keep living and keep doing your thing when you have a heartbreak but if you do push through you'll find that you'll feel better after yeah you don't want to get you don't want to go and start your workout you just feel like crap and you're miserable and you want to cry but if you make yourself like one day that happened to me and Kishif said to me he's like you worked for this for like the last five years are you going to give up now just because of someone he's like you owe it to yourself to do what you love and this is what you love. Make it your space. Make it your safe space and just work through it. And that's stu- stuck that stuck with me. And that's what gets me through most bad days, to be honest. It's true. That whole thing, I really think when these things happen in life, what your cat dies, whatever, a breakup, whatever it is, it's really <laughs> a it's really a test from the universe. Like how bad do you want this? Like, are you gonna let that person or that event stop you? Or is it going to push you to even get more focused? So, you know, it's really, despite it being an unfortunate event, it, it will end up being an opportunity. And, and that's why also I say to people, do what makes you happy. Uh, do what makes you happy. Because so many people compete just because they want the glamour side of it. Um, and I tell people, don't do that because they're going to end up more miserable. Because then if you're doing something you don't like, it's going to be 10 times harder. And then when something does happen, you definitely won't want to do it. I want to do it because I'm passionate about it. That's my passion. I want to do bodybuilding. So it is my safe space. Even though I'm miserable, the weights will make me feel happy. But if you hate it and you're doing it for external validation for the wrong reasons, then you're going to fail for sure. So I always tell people, find what ignites you, find what makes you happy and just be true to that. I always, and my dad always said that to me, he's like, just be true to yourself. Don't pretend to be something else. Even if you make it big, even if you have a lot of money, just have integrity and be who you are. But if you don't know who you are, that's hard to figure out. So you have to first figure out what makes you happy and what you love. So once you have that and you stay true to that, I think you do all right. Yeah. And even what you said, like, if you don't know what you love yet, the thing is, as you mentioned earlier, if, you, if you're willing to try things that you've never done before and mm-hmm. to, to fail and get that feedback and really see what lights your soul up, then you're going to find what makes you happy. And then it will be easier to succeed because, you know, you've got all the things out of the way that you're not interested in. That's like super important, right? Absolutely. And like more and more people do that now, like, we are not tied down to one job like people were before. Now you can try different things. You can find something you like. If you don't like something, you can go and try something, try something else and decide what works for you and what doesn't. It doesn't mean it's going to be forever. Maybe in five years, I'll hate bodybuilding and I want to garden. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's important to know yourself and figure out what makes you happy and then try to help people with that. 
Exactly. Well, that's the thing. I love, I think it's a lot easier, you know, speaking from my own perspective, and I think that you'll agree with this, is that when you find what you love, then it becomes naturally a passion to want to help other people to mm -hmm. find what they love. Because then you have this, this fulfillment and this satisfaction and this happiness and this sense of being grounded and gratitude. And of course, we would just want that for other people yeah. to experience that as well. Makes me sad when I hear people that are like, yeah, but I'm like, change career if you don't like it, if you're miserable. And I, I, I think as trainers, we're also a little bit of a life coach automatically yeah. to spend time talking to our clients about life um, while we're training them. And I have a lot of clients and be like, well, I don't like my job, but I can't, I have bills to pay. I'm like, but if you're thinking in terms of money and material possessions, you'll never be happy you have to be willing to lose those material things that still don't bring you happiness anyways. And once you realize that the sky's the limit and you'll be successful and you'll make money off of it if you love it eventually. Right. That's what I say. No, it's true. So before we wrap things up, I wanted to ask you, was there anything that you, anything more that you wanted to share? I want people to stay optimistic. I know a lot of the air is a little bit thick these days. It's difficult for a lot of people. Although I'm like a really strong person, I would like to tell people that it's also okay to break down. That's what builds you back up. So I did break down a week ago. I just woke up and I heard that this pandemic was going to go on for a year and I started crying. I pretty much cried all day. I felt like I realized that life wasn't going to be the same and I just surrendered to it. So Although I'm a very strong woman and I have no excuses and this and that, I'm not invincible either. I'm not a superhero and I do break down and I think it's healthy. So a lot of people are feeling lost right now and you can feel it. You can read it on social media. So I always want to tell people that it's okay to break down, but reach out. Reaching out is always the best thing to do. So when I felt this way, I don't pretend to be positive and happy every day. If I feel down, if I feel sad, I'll write it down on social media, just like I will when I'm feeling positive and upbeat and I feel like I'm on top of the world. I'll also share it. Um, just be real. Like if you feel sad, be sad, but just reach out so you can have people around you to help you back up. Exactly. And I love that you share that because it's true, you know, right now. It's tough being quarantined and people being where they don't want to be and maybe not having the money flow that they're used to. And it's, it's a big change, right? But like you said, the things that break us down, then we can build ourselves back up again. And I think there's a lot of things that I'm grateful for for this quarantine because it's pushing me to work out in ways that I've never done before. It's pushing me to literally go outside and walk, which I would never do before. But right. I mean, I'm inside all day. Like I have to get out. And and so there's these new things that it's pushing me to do that are healthy, you know, to find ways to like manage my stress and, and whatnot. And, and so again, it can be an opportunity. It doesn't, it doesn't always have creative. to be. Yeah. yeah. Bring out your creativity and it's okay not to put pressure on yourself too. I feel like sometimes we're like, Oh my God, I sat on the couch all day crying, <laughs> but that's fine. I would have been at work anyways. I'm not at work now. It's okay to slow down and it's okay to break down. It's okay to change the way things are right now and refigure it out. It's just like when you lose your job, you feel lost. Now it's on a bigger scale, but like you said earlier to me, we're all in this together so we can just help each other figure exactly. out what this new normal is for yeah now. yeah and i think yeah i think it's going to bring us closer together as a 
as a planet because it's not like this just happened in one country. It brings back for me like old friendships as well. I have friends from college that have reached out to me asking me how I was and everything. We reconnected. Another friend that I hadn't seen and we had a, a bit of a fallout and we reconnect and we're like, when this is over, let's go for a drink together. And so you just have to try to see the positive in all of that, but also know that it's okay to not be okay, right? The example that you gave, you know, when you were just being real and saying how you were crying on the couch, like I've said to people in a reassuring way that emotions are essentially energy in motion. And so when we're crying, like, you know, we're, we're literally releasing, like we're releasing tears, like we're releasing tension, like you feel your body get hot and cold and and it's like you're releasing, right? And so it's not a bad thing. Like, it's important. And it's exhausting. I, remember <laughs> I woke up the next morning exhausted. I'm like, oh, yeah, all this crying. Just like laughing is great. Crying is just as good. So if people would just experience it, it feels good. It's a release, right? And then you're ready to move on when you're ready. <laughs> so on that note, I would love for you to share with our listeners where they can find you on social media to connect with you. And I'll put all that information in the show notes as well. Yeah, I'm usually on uh, Instagram is my main uh, way of communicating. Everything gets transferred over to my Facebook, but my Instagram handle is Coach Nads with a Z. <laughs> and uh, also my Facebook account is Nadia Vandal, so my name. Yeah, I started TikTok. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, let's see what the kids are doing. Instagram is where... I post mostly all my stuff. I post a lot. So, and I also do those uh, Instagram live now on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 12. If you guys want to work out. <laughs> and that's Eastern time, right? 12 p.m. Yeah, Eastern? Yeah. Time, yeah. 12 p.m. on uh, Tuesday and Thursday. And that is like a boot camp style. You don't need anything. So if you want to join me and get your sweat on, I'm there. And that's, that's awesome. Legacy Indoor Cycling. So my friend Andy, who has a local studio, trying to support him as well. So he does cycling classes too on different days. So you can follow him too at Legacy Indoor Cycling. And uh, yeah, I also have inflex.ca and that's with my partner, Claire Lamb. And we do one-on-one -on -one training. We do some group training as well there, but it's all done uh, through programs we help people too as well online on that mm -hmm. yeah i'll put all of that in the show notes for our listeners so that they can get connected with you and join those boot camp classes while we're all quarantined at home right now <laughs> literally no excuses to work out there's so <laughs> right? many free workouts online and it's insane. so many you can yeah. work out all day long <laughs> you imagine i bet you like there is a total chance of coming out of quarantine being in the best shape of your life ironically <laughs> being stuck at home for like two and a half months Unless oh you take up um, baking and cooking which i see a lot of oh too. yeah well thank you so much for coming and having this chat with me today and I, I miss everyone so much in Toronto. When the pandemic is over, like for sure, I'm going to come out and visit and say hi to everyone. That would be great. Well, yeah. thanks for having me. It was fun. It was great to see you as well, Kima. Yes, thank you. I want to thank our listeners as I wrap things up here for tuning in today. And you can make sure to check the show notes to see all the links and contact handles to get in touch with Nadia if you want to follow her on Instagram and join her workout classes. And if you could please subscribe, leave a comment. Share this episode and tag us in it. So at Kayla G and at Coach Nads with a Z. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll be in touch with you again soon. So I will chat with you in the next episode. Thank you. <laughs>